Thinnerdalogs is a Chicago-based sketch group that writes comedy grounded in shared true, personal stories about our existence as lifelong nerds. We started your stories to give everyone a chance to do what we do, share their own stories, and foster a more heartfelt, welcoming nerd community. Your Stories is about embracing the weird and obscure in your life and asserting your geekdom with a group that gets your references. And, most importantly, Your Stories is a place to bring people up, not to put anyone down. Hey everyone, my name is Eric Garneau, and this is the first part of July's The Nerdalogs Present Your Stories Podcast. This month, our theme is indie, not to be confused with Indiana Jones, probably. And this episode, we've got some fantastic stories from voices both new and old, including Shelby Mongan, Kate Freeman, Lauren Rodriguez, Chris Geiger, Paige Penrod, and Charlie Madsen, plus, as always, songs from myself and Dwight Hassler. Uh, hey guys, off topic, do you like Superman? If you're listening to a nerd podcast, the chances are probably you do, right? Well, the Nerdalogs is teaming up with local charity Chicago Loot Drop on Sunday, July 14th to do a Rift Track-style viewing of Richard Donard's original Superman movie. It's going to be a lot of fun, and proceeds from the night go to a wonderful cause. There will also be a special half-length Your Stories before the movie starts. Uh, so come out to the Public House Theater, 3914 North Clark Street in Chicago, at 6 p.m. on June, uh, July 14th, sorry, to enjoy this once-only event. Uh, so that's really the only plug I've got for you today, other than the usual reminder that if you like this show, you can help support it by tossing us a few bucks via PayPal on our homepage at yourstories.podbean.com. Any amount helps to pay for things like web hosting and podcasting equipment, and we really appreciate it. So thanks as always for listening, and enjoy! So, indie, uh, I'm kind of an indie music guy, but the thing about the songs that we play here is that if you guys don't know what they are, it's not that fun for you. So, uh, but there is, there is this kind of like, this, where indie is not so much like, it's more of a genre than like a, a classification of how well something is known. So what we've done is picked a few songs that really are pretty popular, but I think would be categorized by like Spotify or, or whatever as, as indie. Like Pitchfork covers these bands, but y'all know what they are. So we'll start with this one. Oh, can it be 
Coming up next, we have someone who graduated from college today, so let's applaud that as well as her story, Michelle B. Mongan. You jerk, you ruined suspense for my story. It's fine. I mean, if anyone knows you. I will get to it. You posted on Instagram. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we all follow Michelle on Instagram. It's hard. I would, I would not be able to get away with any crimes because I'd probably Instagram it. And they'd be like, no, what the... She sold the car. Um, so, um, so I'm going to apologize ahead of time. Um, this is the first of two months where I am not going to follow the theme at all. Um, and I'm doing that because these are two of the most important months of my life thus far. Um, and I want to talk about them um, because you guys are my friends um, and this is my home and I want to talk about stuff. Uh, so. There are a few things that I think are greater sins in the sartorial world than that of the graduation cap. This thing is ugly. Like, yeah. it is a straight up cardboard board stuck to a skull cap. Like, this doesn't look good on anyone. Um, it's a horrible hat. I actually, because I, as Eric said, I graduated today, earlier today. Um, and uh, I did it, I did it, I'm real good at stuff. Um, I, when we got our cap and gown, we were a bunch of my friends and I were discussing about graduation caps and where they came from. And I didn't know, and inevitably, I immediately pulled out my phone and Wikipedia it. Um, and there was sort of a loose history, but nothing really informative. Um, really what it was was a, just an ugly hat that everyone wears at graduation, any form of graduation. But it is, so it's a horrible hat, it's ugly, but it's important. Like when you see this hat, when I pull this up, like you automatically like, we know you graduated today, you're holding a graduation hat. <laughs> it's iconic, right? We know what it means and it's important. It signifies something really significant in our society, especially a society that values education, which is important. Um, and so, despite the fact that my head in general is not built for hats, especially not for this hat, mm -hmm. I was really proud to wear it. Um, I wouldn't take it off. I wore it to the restaurant. I wore it in the car, even though I couldn't lean all the way back because I popped the head off or the hat off my head. Um, I wore it because I was proud about it. I was really excited. And even though I know I looked kind of doofy, I was proud. Um, and that is something that I've been trying really hard 
to do in my life. Um, to take those things that feel uncomfortable and feel a little weird or a little off um, and to embrace them um, and to, because there's something that they bring to the table. There's something important that they show. Um, and the biggest thing for this was I actually thought about not talking about my graduation today at Your Stories um, because I have spent a good deal of my life wishing that I was older. Um, and it's been hard for me to have friends um, to have the people that I spend a lot of time with be significantly, in some cases, but at least somewhat older than me. Um, I'm only 22. I'm a kid. I still know I'm a kid. And it makes it hard for me to be in situations that remind people that I'm a kid because I spend all my time trying to seem older and to seem more mature and to seem like I'm not just some undergrad student. Um, but what I've been trying to think about and come to terms with lately is the fact that I have something important to bring here. Even if it's weird and uncomfortable for me that I still have homework. Like, like every day I have homework. When is the last time most of you had homework? It's been a little while. Uh, my life is different. I was on a college improv team, which for some people is great and is an exciting experience. Um, but it certainly carries a particular stereotype with it um, of subpar improv. Um, and there's a lot of things about my life that I hold really near and dear to my heart that are outside of your experience, that are away from your experience, that you've grown up, that you've grown past, that you've moved past. Um, and I've spent a lot of time trying and wanting so far to just be past this so I didn't have to worry about it, didn't have to care about it. Just be an adult, be, move on, be done with school. Um, but that is a disservice to you guys, and it's a disservice to me. Um, I want to be where I am. I want to be happy to be where I am. I've earned the 22 years that I've gotten thus far, and I'm going to earn the next, geez, 70, hopefully. Um, <laughs> and so despite my fear of coming up here and talking about graduating from college, which, by the way, was incredibly boring, and I got pretty far into Angry Birds, um, the Star Wars version, which is pretty good. Um, so just download that if you haven't yet. Um, it was all for about 10 seconds of excitement. But I'm still proud. I graduated summa cum laude. I worked really hard. Um, and I'm only just barely not an undergrad anymore. But rather than being embarrassed about that, I'm going to be proud and wear this ugly ass hat with lots of pride. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Shelby. I, I think it's really cool that, uh, I don't know, I think it's touching that you wanted to spend your first night as a, as a college graduate here. I remember I, I did a radio show, uh, and I had my shift the night I graduated undergrad, and I'm like, you know what, fuck it. We were an indie station, appropriately, but I was like, I'm going to play what the fuck I want tonight. So I started with, like, five Alice Cooper songs or some shit. I'm like, I don't care if anyone calls me. I don't care. This is my last shift. I'm going to do what I want. So that was pretty fun. Anyway, congrats again, Shelby. Um, from an old pro, an old hand at this, to a newcomer. Uh, first time telling a story anyway, but she's been here for quite a few months. Kate Freeman, finally up. Hi, I'm Kate. Uh, I have a twin sister, mostly identical. It's one of the first things I tell people when I have a lack of conversation with someone which happens a lot for me. Uh, she's my go-to topic, always has been. 
uh, we'd go to parties in high school and I'd be like, hey, you guys see my sister? I'm looking for her. That was like my topic conversation. But <laughs> anyway, uh, a lot of people when I tell them I'm a twin, they, they get kind of excited. Different reactions occur. Uh, one thing I, I questions I get is, uh, what is it like? And my favorite is, uh, do you guys have like super special powers like those kids in uh, Escape to Witch Mountain? <laughs> No, we we did uh, make believe a lot that we did have special powers, uh, but sadly, no. I have no idea where she is right now, what she's doing. She might be driving, but it's only because I talked to her earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> Point is, uh, so I have a twin, a beautiful, wonderful twin sister, and to answer the first question that people tell me, what's it like being a twin? I I tell them that I love my twin, love her to death, but I did not like being a twin. Let me start from an earlier point. Uh, when we were growing up, our mother neglected to inform us that we are twins, or that being a twin was unique. So we kind of showed up on the first day of kindergarten, uh, how do I put this, uh, oblivious to this fact. And, and we just thought it was really cool that we got to wear those giant pins with the first letter of our name on them. <laughs> like, literally giant pin with like little caricatures on it. Uh, K and J, her name is Jen, by the way. Uh, and uh, our teacher asked us how we liked being a twin, and we, we kind of didn't answer her because we didn't know what a twin was. We didn't know how to answer. We just played with our Crayola crayons. <laughs> um, so, see, while individuals um, or people normally come into this world as human beings, um, as, as separate human beings, and they have to then learn intimacy, Whereas my sister and I, we came into the world like many twins do, um, with intimacy, and then had to learn to be separate individuals. Uh, it was a very long process, and it, it, it was a big struggle because of no fault of other people. There's this inherent uh, uh, tendency to compare us all the time, constantly. And, and up until a, very, a certain age, we looked a lot alike. We did. We, we would switch places. We would switch name tags when there were subs. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> a lot of fun. Uh, and, and, but a phenomenon would occur when people, when we were together, is that people would stand in front of us and then start darting their eyes and heads back and forth. Yeah. Kind of like one of those pictures you have in the Highlights magazine where you have to pick out the ten differences. Do <laughs> 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 you think two pictures? Uh, and this phenomenon has still goes on to this day. It's just back and forth, and I kind of still want to punch people when they do that, but, <laughs> it, you know, uh, but it's, it's something that everyone does. Uh, let me take this opportunity to say that my sister and I are not at all alike. Personality-wise, we are two completely different people and always have been. She was definitely an extrovert. She was always out having, um, she was, it's easy for her to make friends, where I was really happy, especially in school at lunchtime, to obsess about Harry Potter in the library. Uh, or Neopets. <laughs> uh, where she would spend the entire lunch hour with the cool kids on the monkey bars. So as you can see, she, she had a large circle of friends, talked to a lot of people, had a lot of presence. So it naturally would occur that she, that, that people would think I was her. So my nickname in high school was Jen. <laughs> <laughs> I would, 
I would get a haircut and, and people like, Jane, your hair looks so great, fantastic. And I'm like, thank you. I felt good about myself because, you know, people are talking to me. And then <laughs> when this happened six months later, the same reaction, I was like, something wrong with this. There came to a point in my life where I really wanted to be different from my sister. I tried really hard to be completely different from her. I found my own group of friends, found my own style. I, I kind of became a weird punk where uh, my outfits were devoid of color, but in the <laughs> end ended up looking like Kim Possible. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite outfit was the green pants and a black shirt. <laughs> so, I mean, I had my own style. I had everything. I, I mean, mind you, it was middle school. I had braces. I had classes. She didn't. It was, it was a weird thing. Uh, but I tried really hard to be different from her. But people, people that knew us, strangers, acquaintances, everyone, kept trying to pull us back together. It didn't matter how hard I tried to, to be different from her, the one day that I would have to go to church and dress up and some, wear a nice, a nice dress, that was probably my sister's because we, you know, raided each other's closets, was that they would point out that I looked a lot like Jen that day. Which, for me, that was very, they didn't realize at the time, but it was very damaging for me. And what I didn't realize at the time is that all this comparison that really hurt me as a person, and the person that did the hurting was me, myself, because I was convinced that she was prettier and better and smarter, despite all my efforts to be an independent person. However, I didn't realize in retrospect, years later, talking to my sister, that she felt the same way. Whereas she, I felt that she was prettier than me, she felt that she was inadequate because she was less smart than I was. I got good grades. I was better at certain things, but we constantly compared ourselves to each other, which was not constructive for either of us. And the only way that we could find a way to find our independence was distance. Distance and time and context. I went halfway across the world to, to Germany. I spent a couple of years there. And we spent a lot of time apart. We didn't talk, do anything. And then when I came back, we ended up being much more alike and a lot closer than we were originally. And I think this was because I finally, I was finally on the road to knowing and loving who I was as an independent person from her. And through this journey, through this journey of finding my individuality, through my dependence and quest for independence, through her, that I found out who I was, and I'm now the person sitting in front of you today. Thanks, Kate. Any other twins in here? Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger, are they here? <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> Lauren Rodriguez, come on up. See, you're following that, so now you look good. <laughs> that joke got them all set for something crazy. <laughs> um, I approached this topic, I think, the same way that I approached every other topic, from the head down. And I, I feel like I do that a lot. So I was thinking about, oh, what does it mean to be independent? You know, like, true English major kind of, like, <laughs> questions that you ask before you write an essay. 
And what I ended up finding out was that it's really, for me, tied a lot to being vulnerable. Um, I, inexplicably, those two things are just really closely tied to each other. And I, I, upon these reflections, was first afraid that it was something, that both of those things were something I had lost. Like I used to be an independent person and someone who was able to be vulnerable, and now I'm not. Um, and so I did a lot of thinking about that. When I was in college, there's this infamous story of me going out with my roommate. And it was her 21st birthday, and she had never drank before. And I was in a sorority, so that was like, what? Like, you've never drank? Like, that's completely shocking. But her reasoning behind it was because she was a nursing major. And so she knew what alcohol did to her body. So she just never drank. But on her 21st birthday, she was like, yes, I'm going to do this. Like, I'm going to get wasted, which always is a good start to a night when you decided that. That's going to happen. But she told me that it was my responsibility to, like, watch over her because that was always my responsibility. So sure enough, like, uh, she's, like, chugging beer. She's drinking. She's never drank, so she's a complete lightweight. And um, she gets up on the table and starts dancing a lot. Um, a lot, a lot. <laughs> so this alarm went off in my head because this was clearly like a breach of protocol. Like I had like one job. <laughs> I was supposed to do, and now like my charge is up on this table. And so I did the only reasonable thing you could do in that situation. I got up on the table with her and started dancing <laughs> so that sh I would look like more of an ass than her. And in some way, like, I was like, yeah, like, that's what you need to do. Like, that's what you would do for a friend. Like, if you're going to look like an asshole, not only am I going to look like that with you, but I'm going to be the bigger asshole than you are. Um, and I was thinking about that this month, and I don't feel like I do those types of things anymore. You know, like, I feel like that was something that I had lost, and I think that it's a muscle that hasn't been used. And I think that even in that case, and like the stories that connect with that are fully abound from when I go back to elementary school. But the only time that I would feel like I did something vulnerable or did something you know, different or independent was to protect somebody else, like for the sake of somebody else. I would never have gotten on that table by myself, um, for better or for worse, but I would do that if someone else needed me to. Um, I'll be vulnerable, but only if it serves somebody else. So what I'd like to do today for the next 30 seconds mm -hmm. is verbally masturbate, if you'll allow. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome, podcast. Uh, and I just want to say I've made a list of like a couple of truths about me that have nothing to do with anything except that they are who I am. Um, and then I'm just going to stop. It was against everything in me to not like try to tie everything together. But I think it's from that same kind of muscle of like, let me, let me do this for you, or let me do this for somebody else. So, fuck you guys. Uh, <laughs> this is for me. It's not going to make any sense. I'm not going to explain them. Um, I'm just going to read this list of things that are true about me, and then sit down. <coughs> so you're welcome. Um, when I'm really sad, the only thing that I really want to do is watch the Disney Channel and drink wine. <laughs> oh, I'm really self-conscious about my hair and how skinny my legs are. I don't know why. That's how I feel. I hate when something is funny and I don't laugh and instead I say that's funny. I hate that about myself. Um, my laugh has changed throughout my entire childhood and I've like tracked the changes because I've always been really self-conscious about it. And right now it's just this really high-pitched siren 
And so I really, I think that's why I don't laugh and say things are funny, because my laugh is annoying. Um, oh, my favorite end to any sketch is the slow back out. Like the... <laughs> 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 uh, which is a, a reason among many that I don't write sketches anymore, because every sketch... <laughs> Um, in January, I had a really epic fail of a audition that to me was important, and I feel like every other audition since then has been an apology for that audition. So, yeah. Um, I don't fear rejection from other people. I'm more concerned with rejecting myself, which doesn't seem like that should be a thing, but apparently it is. Um, in my mind, I think that I'm Faye, but in reality, I know that I'm Edward. Thanks, guys. Um, oh, I love watching Grey's Anatomy because I feel like that show just tells you exactly how to feel. And I feel like, like we could just use more of that in the world. <laughs> just tell me how to feel right now. Happy, sad, that's like it. Just tell me. Um, I am desperately afraid of losing a student. That is my biggest fear. Um, statistically, it will happen. But I think that my biggest fear is that it'll be my fault. I can't remember the last time that I slept through the whole night. I am inexplicably afraid of zombies. There's no reason for this fear. <laughs> Nothing happened to me. I'm super afraid of zombies. And one of my recurring nightmares is the zombie apocalypse. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but it's really scary to me. But that being said, there is a new BBC show called In the Flesh that I really, really want to watch. But even watching the trailer scared the shit out of me. And <laughs> so you guys watch it and let me live vicariously for you. <laughs> um, I get really excited about things that seem like small to other people. And I get this question a lot, like, are you drunk right now? And the answer is yes, but um, I talk during movies. I'm sorry. Preach. It's never going to change. I know. Sorry. Um, oh. When people look at other people and they find them attractive, especially like, you know how their eyes like drop a little bit and look back up? For me, if my eyes drop, I'm looking at hands. Think like, hands are sexy. Don't know why, but <laughs> you're welcome. Um, it makes me uncomfortable when girls, girls tell me that they don't make friends with other girls. I don't know how to react to that because I'm a girl. <laughs> it's hard not to take that really personally. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know what to do with that. Uh, there's the next thing on this list, I don't know what the hell it means, so I'm going to skip it. Um, I'm really afraid of loud noises when I don't know where they come from. Like, what is that? It scares the crap out of me. And when I'm on stage, it's the hardest thing to not react to is those really, really loud noises. They scare me. Um, anything that you say, if you add the next two phrases to it, will always be funny to me. Am I right? <laughs> that makes me laugh hardcore and oh this one knows this guy knows <laughs> that will always be funny to me I love the phrase we're putting the band back together <laughs> and needs to be used way more um, I had a, a positive high school experience and I feel like the rest of my experiences have been a big apology for that but I did. I loved high school. Sorry. I loved it. Um, I, was in a um, I was in a sorority, and I don't feel bad about it. I don't. I love the fact that I was in a sorority, and I love 
uh, my sorority sisters. So, yay, found you. Uh, they, that story doesn't even exist anymore. So we were awesome. That's how cool we were. They couldn't go on without us. <laughs> Mission complete. Um, I ignore my phone a lot, and it's not to be against anybody, but sometimes I hate my phone. Um, I'm afraid that I'm not funny. And my biggest dream in the whole world is to one day just spontaneously get a slow clap. Like, that's all I really want in my whole life. <laughs> Not spontaneous. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lauren. Okay. I have, to, I have to ask the audience, because Kevin and Lauren were in a sketch group in college together. Kevin, how many sketches did she write with slow back out endings? Not many. Mm. <laughs> I don't remember. That was an anticipated answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was always Kevin's job to write the end. So maybe the only reason there was never a slow back out was because Kevin actually put an end to it. Uh -huh. <laughs> Learning things. Now you know, guys. Uh, you saw him earlier tonight. Chris Geiger. Don't worry, mine's short. Uh, <laughs> I am worried. <laughs> you nailed me. Uh, cool. So, uh, so uh, in the spirit of independence, um, I, I'm going to try something a little different tonight, so bear with me. So allow me for a moment to make a bold proclamation. I am a person, and I exist. This may seem inane to you, but maybe it's just me, but for me. This statement is a sum of years of introspection and reflection that I've had to finally settle on the point that yes, I'm a person and yes, I exist. We take for granted this fact and trudge along our daily lives like a river current swollen with too much rain, lapping over rocks and tree limbs and bubbling over the sides. We collect things in our drift. We call them experiences and process them along the way, taking them with us for the ride until Inexplicably, we tumble over a fall and collect ourselves at the bottom in order to continue along our path laid down by those who came before us. I am a person, and yes, I exist. I exist in a myriad of ways, as a friend, as a brother, as a son, as a lover, as an asshole, as an employee, as an asset, as an, a liability, and as a, a person. A person who thinks, who feels, who loves, who hates, who betrays, who defends, and who tries every day to be better than the person he was before that day that everyone has when things changed. I am a person, and I exist. Not perhaps as you wanted to see, perhaps you saw that river and thought it too shallow. Or perhaps you saw that river and thought it too wide or too rough or too choppy. Perhaps you saw that river and thought it might flood and ruin your day, so you decided to get away. If you had stayed, you might have seen the gentle currents, or have learned about the places to drink and swing from trees. You see, my brothers and my sister and I were all independent, born into our own river currents, destined to collide with the ocean and find freedom in an island somewhere in the sea. Each one went their own destiny, although we, had, we all had the same source. We all went tumbling over the same early chasms and cliffs through forests and river bends, making turn after twist and turn, until one day we decided to split and say see ya at the sea. And we fight and we fight until one day we make it there. We keep fighting until one day we can say, hey, I'm doing okay. And I fear sometimes that, that someone 
looks out at this, that fighting river and sees it's not for its calm spots and gentle currents, its places to drink and swing from trees, but rather its bends and V's, where it splits canoes on the shores before that someone can even see the turn, where they don't see the river for all it can be, but only what it used to be or where it began. Because maybe it's me, but for me, where the river ends is not, all, not at all like where it began. And although many people may play within its current, it carries along only those who choose to stay. And when my waters happen upon the island that we have claimed, the experiences I've collected wash away, and all that is left is the one thought I have, and we should all have, which is this. I am a person, and I exist. Next up is someone else who is new to the Your Story stage. I don't know your last name, so I'm going to have to get it right now. Paige? Penrod. Paige Penrod, everybody. So, I, I get really nervous when I talk in front of groups. I'm on my psychiatry rotation right now. I'm a medical student, and that's the worst rotation to be on because medical students are prone to like self-diagnose all the time. So, so um, I definitely have a fear of public speaking. But anyway, I just I wanted to still come up here and tell a story because I was inspired by the theme of indie. And I was kind of joking with Steve. I was like, oh, well, I, you know, this is, I'm, I have lame jokes. I'm like, oh, it's like Indy, like Indianapolis. I think someone should tell a story about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> um, but not really. I, I went to college in Indiana. And I kind of loved that. Um, you know, I didn't catch your name before. I, you said you were in a sorority. Oh, Lauren. Lauren. Okay, so I was in a sorority also. <laughs> Woo. Woo. Was anyone else in the Greek system here? It, okay, nice. <laughs> All right. Get out. So I'm not a twin, but. I did follow my sister to college, and I did join the same sorority that she did, and I did have a lot of the same interests that she did, most because I idolized my older sisters, and um, my middle sister and I are super close. So um, it's kind of a big deal to have an older sister who's in a sorority because you're a legacy, and I got to join that sorority. And it's also the alpha chapter of the sorority, which is like, also like big deal within that sorority because it's the first one that there ever was and for all those people that told me that being in a sorority would be like bad for my or wouldn't necessarily be a good thing for my career or whatever um i was scrubbed in on a c-section once and we ran you know you have like conversations during surgeries that you wouldn't think you'd be having um, <laughs> <so> <laughs> and moreover in c-sections the patient is awake so they can actually hear what you're talking about but anyway we, we found out we we're in the same sorority and you know we had this like bond and it was it was really good for my career somehow uh, <laughs> um but anyway i just think it's kind of funny because i think sororities are kind of the epitome of being, you know, conforming to something. It's kind of like Mean Girls where it's like, you know, and, you know, in some ways where it's like we wear pink on Tuesdays. It's like, oh, we all wear our letters on on Wednesdays and we all have to wear this on to chapter on, on this day. And I, I don't know what, 
what the two other people's experiences were, but it was not like party central. Like it was like we were the top sorority. Like we were the alpha chapter. We had the strictest rules. We lived in these like bunk bed. Like we slept in this like room of 50 bunk beds. It was like an orphanage. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not kidding. And like it was 50 degrees and we had to assign the second years to like go in and like wake people up at their designated times. Mm -hmm. And um, we wouldn't, you couldn't have boys over after two in the morning. And um, it was, it was not a big drinking scene. But anyway, long story short, this is kind of a rambling story here. But it's, it's just funny looking back because um, of all the things I did in college and before that and, you know, wanting to be in med school and being all, um, very focused on that um, and kind of going into this group of people who could just tell me what to wear and tell me where to be and tell me which fraternity we're going to hang out with at whatever night and um, it just made life a lot easier and coming out of that and living in a city and um, being my own person, it's, it's, it's a lot different um, to have someone not telling you what to do and where to be. And um, Anyway, long story short, I also am still happy that I did it, but, um, and it's fun to come across people who I share that bond with, I guess, but um, it's, it's cool to be independent as well. Lots of new people tonight. That's, that's wonderful. Thank you all for coming and sharing. Uh, we are going to close out the night with someone who's been doing this a while, and his stories are always super sweet, Charlie Madsen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no pressure, but I definitely mailed it in this month. <laughs> <laughs> Not even phone. Mail. <laughs> oh, yeah, it should be here on Monday. Shit. <laughs> Shit. All right. So what is the biggest complaint about movies nowadays? Everything's a sequel or a comic book. Nothing's original anymore. Now we are at a point in our culture where there's a fishbowl of self-referential ideas. And yes, we, the nerds, are now ruling the world. (laughs) Whedon and Abrams are now kings of the box office by our doing. (laughs) Disney owns Pixar, The Muppets, Marvel, and Star Wars. There is a ton of nerdery under one giant nasty corporate umbrella. (laughs) Patton Oswalt has already gone into the masterful detail of that. (laughs) I cannot match that. But there's a certain fear where all of these amazing important concepts are now being manipulated by this overarching corporate nerd factory. And it's cool like that one day I'll be able to go on a ride at Disney World where I can maneuver my X-Wing down the Meridian Trench in the northern hemisphere of the Death Star and fire a proton torpedo in the thermal exhaust port, which is no bigger than a... Thank you, Womp. Oh, you guys sounded so, uh, like, uh, nervous to say Womp. Fucking Womp rap, you bastards. Nevertheless, as cinema stops taking risks and money gets invested in safe sequels, we will only be seeing truly original ideas coming from independent cinema, where it usually does. However, this is something I've been preaching for years. There was a time in cinema when great ideas and studios converged. 
where the brilliant original concepts of an independent filmmaker smushed into the badass budget of a major studio film. Was it the 30s? No. Was it the Arturo movement of the 90s, 1970s? Yeah, a little bit, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about 1999. Yeah. <laughs> I was dreaming when I wrote this. <laughs> so forgive me if I go astray. <laughs> but when I woke up this morning, could have sworn it was Judgment Day. 8mm, 10 Things I Hate About You, The 13th Warrior, 200 Cigarettes, American Beauty, American Pie, Analyze This, Any Given Sunday, Austin Powers 2, The Spy Who Shagged Me, The Boondock Saints, Bringing Out the Dead, Cider House Rules, Deep Blue Sea, Detroit Rock City. Yes! While there are reboots, retellings, sequels, spin-offs, there are also some of the most memorable movies that have stuck with our generation. Dick. Dogma, End of Days, Existence, Eyes Wide Shut, Galaxy Quest, Ghost Dog, Way of the Samurai, Go, The Green Mile, Idle Hands, Iron Giant, Lake Placid, The Limey, The Limey, Magnolia. This was an era of this was an era of cinema aided by the availability of DVDs within that year, which we all bought for ourselves and gave as gifts. They became ingrained in our Saturday nights and our lazy Sunday afternoon movie-watching culture. These are the movies that many of us would still stop and watch when flipping through channels. Man on the Moon, Mystery Men, Never Been Kissed, yes. The Ninth Gate, <laughs> Notting Hill, <laughs> She's All That and The Sixth Sense, written by M. Night Shyamalan, <laughs> Sleepy Hollow, South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, Stir of Echoes, The Thomas Crown Affair, Three Kings, Varsity yes. Blues, <laughs> Virgin Suicides. Yes. Okay. Now this list alone, as you guys know, is a murderer's row of memorable films. Now some of you think, damn, I didn't know all those movies came out in that year. And some of you might be acting like motherfuckers right now and saying, well, I could just go down any list of movies that came out in any year. Maybe 94, 2007. Oh, that's great. All right, all right. well, here's my counter to that. Being John Malkovich, The Blair Witch Project, Fight Club, Office Space, and The Matrix. Yeah. 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 Episode one. Yeah. We're getting that. <laughs> Those are the big ones. These are the game changers. These are the movies that each had the potential to spin out into their own world to inspire a new generation of idea makers. But alas, the money well dried up. There were too many flops. 9-11, I'm sure it did something to it, I don't know. <laughs> now, 9-11, am I right, guys? <laughs> Terrorists are pretty much winning. Now, great ideas... <laughs> I won't go back to that well. Now, now, great ideas have to thrive in a lower than low budgets and independent scene. It has to go back to the way it was. And studios are in the business of making their money back and they won't be making the same risk they did 14 years ago, which is why we'll be getting more movies like these last two pieces of crap that came out in 99, Episode One, The Phantom Menace, and Wild Wild West. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a time 
when these ideas and this creativity and this beauty, all this originality, maybe it was based on a book, but David Fincher really knocked Fight Club out of the fucking park. <laughs> it was this amazing year of film and it just happened. And I don't think we celebrated enough. And as much as I enjoyed Man of Steel and Star Trek Into Darkness, no colon, <laughs> and, and Iron Man 3, I long for the impressive originality of 99 when the nerds were writing the movies with a new brilliance instead of being pandered to so they can take our lunch money. <laughs> 2000 zero, zero, party over, oops, not a time. So tonight I'm gonna party like it's 1999. Thank you. You should, have, you should have had us learn that song. Although, fun trivia, Dwight, you don't like Prince, is that right? Well, I never said that. I, no, Dwight, <laughs> Dwight, you don't like Prince, isn't that right? I never said I didn't like I, I swear I'm you I'm not said. a huge fan of his. Same thing. I don't <laughs> Charlie, will you do me a favor real quick and read the line again? How exactly did you characterize the Walt Disney Company in your piece? Oh. I'm just, I'm just curious. I don't actively dislike Prince. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, nerd, umbrella, nerdery. Uh, corporate, oh, a corporate nerd factory. Overarching corporate nerd factory. Uh, there, there was a line I think before that uh, something that sounded a little more sinister. Um, oh, I, don't you? I mean, I riffed on that. I didn't write that. I, okay, I'm just spitballing, but I wonder, like Chris Geiger, do you think there's anything to that idea that the Disney Corporation is evil somehow? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Disney Corporation is a completely alternative <laughs> Stick around for Nerdalog season two in the fall, guys. <laughs> Oh no, this band just reunited. It was, uh, they just played a show in Michigan, I think, like last week. So, oh, so some people know who that is already. They're coming here later. They're coming here, I think, for Lala or something. They'll be here.
song that that song is like lyrically very very similar to Faithfully by Journey, which is a song I I like a lot more actually. But, uh, highway you run. No, I'm not gonna say it. Uh, the Nerdalogs present Your Stories is sponsored by the Chicago sketch comedy troupe The Nerdalogs and is recorded the third Sunday of every month at the Public House Theater, 3914 North Clark Street in Chicago. The stories you heard have been prepared and presented by the speakers on a volunteer basis. Special thanks to Sean Patrick Boyle for his help with recording. Our theme song comes from the band State Shirt. For more information on the Nerdalogs, your stories, and everything else, go to www.nerdalogs.com. <laughs>